Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ashleen. And I'm Gracie. And it's just a podcast where we talk about movies and we discuss them and then we put them to both the feminist and inclusive tests. And then we ask the most important question of them all. Is the movie good? Yep. And we are continuing musical month today with the 1973 best picture. Uh, 1972. 1972 best picture, Cabaret. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, And, uh, let's hear them stats. Yeah, let's hear these stats. So uh, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 95% critical, 87% audience. The budget was six million. Had a box office of forty-two million. Wow! It was directed by Bob Foss, who also did all that jazz and Sweet Charity. It was written by Jay Preston Allen, who also did one of the star uh, A Star Is Born. I do believe it was the. Uh, oh my God! What's her name? The She's Barbara Barbara Streisand. The, yeah. Yeah. I think it was that version he worked on. Okay, because uh, it would have been kind of interesting if uh, if uh, he or no, actually, it's a she. Who? The person who wrote this is a she. I... No, it's not. Jay Preston Allen is a dude. It's based on the life of a person that wrote like her memoir. No, Jay Preston Allen is a woman. Well, the IMDb didn't give me a picture. Well, it's a woman. Well, good for her. She also worked on The Star is Born and Funny Lady, which both of those were Barbra Streisand movies. I'm surprised Barbra Streisand wasn't in this one. She probably was... Like opting for the same part that Liza Nelly did. Let's be honest. Probably. Um, it's based on the Broadway musical by Joe Masteroff and the original play by John Van Druten, who had also done plays turned into movies such as One Night in Lisbon and Gaslight. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Gaslight is the movie where the term gaslighting comes from. Oh yeah. Yeah. We should do that movie. That was an interesting little tidbit, I thought, you know. We should do that movie, though. We should. I just don't know where we'd fit it in at. Mm. Our calendar's already full this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, not to this year, but, you know, in the future. The music was by John Kander, and he also worked on Chicago, which is why I found it so similar because I had seen Chicago and listened to the album before mm-hmm. but I had never seen Cabaret until today and I kept thinking they were going to bust out with the song All That Jazz Yeah, like I just felt like that was a song that could have fit in with this uh, this scene as much as it did in Chicago so oh yeah funny. I could I could believe um, that yeah yeah uh, he also worked on the John the Gone Girl soundtrack and uh, it was also music by Ralph Burns, who also worked on All That Jazz and Annie. And All That Jazz is a movie that I think is like Chicago, but I'm not 100% sure. 1920s sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, cast. Uh, just going to give you the biggest ones. We have Liza Minnelli, who plays Sally Bowles. 
She is known for the movie New York, New York, being a gay icon and the daughter of Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Michael York plays Brian. He was Tybalt in the 1960s Romeo and Juliet. And he was also in Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. That's why I knew him. I was like, hey, this guy seems so familiar. And it's because of fucking Austin Powers. You know who he looks like, though? (gasps) Yes. Ansel Egghort. No. No, no, girl. No, he looks like like? Matt Smith. He does look like Matt Smith. Jesus. When you were like, oh, yeah, he looks like Ansel whatever. I'm like, bitch, no. He looks looks like Matt Smith. And Matt Smith had a baby. (laughs) He looks way more like Matt Smith, though. I was like, is this Doctor Who? Like, what is this? (laughs) Okay. Then we have Joel Gray, who plays the Master of Ceremonies. He's known for TV shows like Alias and Oz. He's also the father of Jennifer Gray of Mm -hmm. Dirty Dancing fame. Yeah. I saw that. And then, yep. And then Fritz Wepper plays Fritz Wendell, and he's known for a movie called For Heaven's Sake. He was a big player in the movie. That's why I included him. But um, if I it, guess he didn't have lot. to change his name, eh? No. It was easy for him to answer to his name, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I did notice that there were a lot of actually German actors in this movie. So that was pretty cool, considering they actually, I think, did it on a soundstage in Munich that had been used for uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Well, this is the time period also where, like, um, Germany was still annexed. Like, half of it was still annexed. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it was filmed in 1971-ish, around that time. Yeah. Crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think that the Berlin Wall has only been down for about 30 years. Yeah. Not even thirty years yet. Coming up, because because uh, I was only one when it ha- when that happened. Eighty nine, right? So you were minus yeah. four. I was minus. T- I was minus two. Oh, minus two. two. I said minus four, so I like. <laughs> There's three years between us, honey bud. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, so let's talk about this movie. Okay. This movie is- two hours long but i think we're gonna be able to go through it pretty quickly yeah so okay um first of all i want to like make a mention of this is um i was i thought that the soundtrack would be a lot better because i've heard the beginning opening before but i heard a different version like a more upscale version of it so like listening to this i was like what the fuck i was surprised actually that there's not a lot of music in this movie yeah well like that's the thing the first this is considered this is considered one of the greatest musicals of all time there's literally like four or five songs no there there were more songs the problem with it is the first hour there's like three songs and that's it yeah. And the person who's filler. performing the most in this movie is Joe Gray. Joel Gray. Oh, and he's fabulous. Oh, he's he's amazing in this movie. I, I think it didn't he win an Oscar makeup? for it? Like she he won an Oscar win. for sure. He won. This movie was nominated for 8 Oscars and he did win, I think, best supporting actor. Well, good cuz he deserved it. And it was all singing. That's all he did. 
he never had a speaking part. He never said a sentence. He sang every line he had. Well, that's the thing. In this movie, I see him as the narrator. Like, that's yeah, his role. Even though it doesn't seem like it, a lot of the songs that he sings on stage kind of tie in with, with what's going on in the story. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you don't realize that until the end. Like, there's one song we're going to get to, and I'm going to be like, holy fuck, I did not see that coming. Yeah. there's a. <laughs> I think you know which one. I was like, holy shit. Ooh. Yeah, so, okay, so it sets the scene, right, that this, uh, there's a gentleman who, he's he's from Britain, and he's a newcomer to 1931 Berlin, which is part of the, uh, World War. Ooh, is that the right word? Weimar? Weimar, yeah, the Weimar. The, the, the Weimar, Weimar, because um, when it's a W, it sounds like a V. Yeah, uh, Republic. Right, which is the f- like a few years before uh, the Nazis, Nazis took power, right? And and during this time period, um, what a lot of people don't realize is Germany was kind of on the up and up. Uh, things were good. Uh, people could be more free. Uh, people were ex- accepting. They were talking about you know legalizing gay marriage, like things like that. Like things were. Um, more open and, uh, and you can tell that yeah this burlesque club well exactly that there's a, there's a gentleman that. that's you know uh that's walking around like in full like uh, I don't he's, know if he would be considered trans or she would be considered trans or just as someone that cross dresses I think with the makeup I I think maybe transgender um mm-hmm. but. I'm not exactly sure. And of course, this was the 1970s where they didn't exactly have that word. Um, would they just. Also, what I've noticed with this movie is there's a lot of unspoken. Yes. Um, so it starts off with, you know, the, the cabaret club. The, it's called the, the Kit Kat Club. Right, and they did the welcome song. Yeah, and uh, it's it's actually a really fun number. But they've got these like uh, sexy girls that are like in you know super heavy makeup, and then it also um, introduces Sally Bowles, who is like the star of this club. Uh huh. And, and she she is eccentric. Like extra is the word I was going. <laughs> well. She is, she is the modern term of extra. She's just—that's all I can think of her as. Is like she's fucking interesting. Well, she is. She is living the bohemian lifestyle. Like, oh, obviously, sure. she is a rich girl who you know is playing around and living her twenties, and you know, singing at a club and having tons of fun and wearing short hair. She's a flapper, basically, oh, right? For sure. And she's, um, she's all about that free love too. Like she doesn't. Sex is sex is fun. Like dancing is fun. Singing is fun. She's she's gonna be an actress. Yeah. Know? So she's she's having fun. She's young, and and that you know something that's something that's not really looked down upon in this, uh, in Berlin at that time. Like no. they they weren't. She's free. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of and like that have- bohemian lifestyle is. It's it's really romanticized, I think, in this movie. Yeah. 
And then we have Brian, who's kind of like a very shy, straight-laced Englishman who's come to Berlin to give English lessons and work on his his uh, degree in philosophy. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not there for a long while, just for a little while. And uh, he comes into this building that's owned by this lady. I can't remember her name. Yeah. But uh, Sally lives there and shows him around. She's like, oh, you simply must, you know, you simply must get a room here. And then she shows him um, the perfect hangover cure, which is a raw egg in Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> which is disgusting, but... She called it some kind of oyster, but I can't remember. Oh, a prairie oyster. <laughs> a prairie oyster. Or is that what she called it? <laughs> yeah, that's what she called it. I couldn't remember. Because that's not a prairie uh, oyster. For for all you out there... Um, I know what a Rocky Mountain oyster is. No, a uh, prairie oyster is, um, I'm pretty sure, bollocks. Um, well, that's what a Rocky Mountain oyster is. Is, uh, is fried up... Bull balls. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what uh, a prairie o- oyster is. Oh, yeah, it's a drink made with raw egg and seasoning uh, as a hangover cure. But in North America, it's testicles of a calf cooked and served as food. Fun. Also known as Rocky Mountain o- oysters. Yeah, I knew it was Rocky Mountain oysters. Yeah, so uh, it's gross regardless. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and then after she, uh, you know, after she and Brian establish this sort of relationship, we see her give one of her numbers, which is "Bye bye, men, libel air." Yeah, and that's that's fun. What I I don't know what it means. I don't know either, but it was a fun number to watch. Yeah, and then. Uh, after she does her little dance number, they're in the crowd, and I thought it was interesting how all of the tables had a telephone. Yeah, well, I think it's because it's a very busy club, right? That, you know, if they want any drinks or attention or whatever, they're like, hey, I'm gonna call, you know, table number 33 or whatever. That was, that was interesting. I'd never seen that before. I no. I don't know how common it was, but that was a cool thing. Yeah. And uh, then we get introduced to Fritz, who is a business owner who's down on his luck. uh, And he wants some English lessons. Uh, We also get this kind of... Sounds like you need some English lessons, too. Listen, I have a sinus infection. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm really one to talk, okay? I like mispronounce everything. I couldn't even say Walmart or whatever. Warwall. Whatever. Yeah, see? Weimar. 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 Um, so, one of the things that had happened earlier in the movie is this, uh, like, Maitre D had kicked out a guy wearing a Nazi uniform. Mm-hmm. Well, in this particular part, well, Brian and Fritz are being introduced to each other, there's a mud fight going on on stage, and while the mud fight is going on, which is supposed to be, like, sexy girls, you know, slinging mud at each other... They're, the maitre d' is getting dragged out and beaten to death on the steps. Yeah. By Nazis. And yeah. I thought... Brown shirts. It was, it was an interesting juxtaposition. I think they you did know? a pretty... Yeah, it's... um. I mean... This movie does this a lot. Yeah, too. this movie has an underlying tone of... Um, not everything's all gung-ho happiness yeah it it shows you know um like the bad side of what was going on during this time because 
I mean, Hitler's rise to power, this was while it was happening. Was two years later. You know, yeah. it was... Like, well, exactly. So, like, this was a part where they're like, oh, those Nazis, they're a bunch of fucking... And I think that... This is why I think that we should not disregard um, the alt-right, is because now we, like... Now we I think did, of them. I did, have a, I did have thoughts about that, actually. Yeah. Well, because, like, because we think about... From a few years ago, we were like, oh, the fucking alt-right, like, fucking white supremacist, the fucking oh, the worst. party. Oh, yeah, like, like good, good luck, them. whatever, a bunch of idiots. But we're starting to see this rise where racists are coming out of the woodwork. And, uh, and they are... They're more open about their bigotry. Yeah, th- this... This movie, later on, you see uh, one character talks about how, oh, you know, the Nazis, like, yeah, they're a nuisance, but you know what? They also hate communists and Jews. And, uh, you know, as long as they're doing the dirty work, I don't care. And then later on in the movie, they're like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Because now you've given them that little inch and they've taken a mile. And all I could think was... Back when Obama first got elected, we had a small, small increment number of Tea Party members serving in Congress. Mm-hmm. And it was in direct opposition to the fact that a black president had been elected. Basically, yeah. And now that little seed from 2008 has grown into a massive motherfucking tree. And we have a white supremacist sitting in the Oval Office as president. And it's insane. And as we're recording this, we are 21 days into a government shutdown because of his racism. Yeah. It's it's fucking nuts. Yeah, so... So, like, even though this movie came out in the 70s, and it's based on something that was happening in the 30s, history repeats itself. And I'm not saying that Trump is a Nazi or that we're going to end up in a fascist regime. I am saying that Trump really likes Nazis and Trump really likes fascism. And right now he's debating on whether to declare a national emergency on something that doesn't even exist just so he can have the political power to use money for something that isn't needed. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's just very frightening. Especially to someone that loves history as much as I do. And with a love of learning about history and knowing the same shit that was being pulled 80 years ago could possibly be pulled right now. Yeah. It's it's just just bad. Yeah. and uh, and it, I think that is like the underlying you know story uh, like thing that is going on with the story now, um, kind of to get back to where we were with uh, with the movie. Brian uh, goes to the bathroom and then there is a man who you know is in women's clothing who comes in and uses the one right behind him and like Brian is shocked. He's like shooketh. <laughs> He is a straight-laced Englishman, and now he's in a place where it's free and open. Like, nobody gets mad, like, that um, the trans woman is using a urinal. They're just like, oh, 
and he's the only one that's shocked by it. I mean, there's even scenes later on where the trans woman is, like, sitting down and taking, um, what's-her-face's place. Oh. Sally's place with some old guy, you know, and flirting, and the old guy's totally into it. Like, it was a time of experimentation and stuff. Well, that's was- a, that's the thing that people don't realize with, like, trans women, right? Um, saying that this... Because we're not really sure how this character identifies, right? So, but, you know, saying that it is a trans... Uh, women. There are tons of fucking straight guys that are totally into trans women, but they're too afraid to say that because it they the trans woman used to be a man. Be like Brendan Uri, be pansexual. Yeah, exactly. And like that's the thing that we don't um that happens quite often and I, and I've heard this from a few of my trans friends that you know in in public, they, like, you know, shit-talk trans people, and yet, you know, in private, they're singing their praises. Yeah. I agree. So fucking dumb. Um, so, we see, uh, like, later on, (laughs) Brian is busy with a pupil, and then Sally's like, hey, you could totally, you know, like, translate this book for this guy, and... That's the thing. She, like, tends to exaggerate everything. Like, she's, you know, exaggerating about her, you know, her father, her acting skills, like, everything possible. She's, yeah. Yeah. And then she gets a shower, and then as soon as she gets out of the shower, she kind of moseys up to him, and he's like, do you even know what this book's about? She says, no, what's it about? He's like, it's about... It's, like, straight-up porn. She's like, oh, yeah, well, he writes dirty books. <laughs> like, she don't she don't care. But, like, uh, yeah, that's the thing. This guy has probably never even read, like, Lady Shatterly. Lady Shatterly or Fanny yeah. Hill or... Or any of those, yeah. you know, dirty novels I've, from... I've read Fanny Hill before. It, well, oh, really? My, my. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, it was um, interesting. <laughs> I have not read it, so <laughs> do tell. Oh, uh, it's more, it's better written than Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, well, that's saying something, so. And she ends up, you know, happily ever after with a guy that she liked, so it worked out. Okay, well, there you are. <laughs> there you are. Um,. So after she gets her shower, you know, and she comes into his room and they talk a bit. And then she goes and she gets uh, a, like, record player and she brings it into his room, winds it up. She starts playing it, starts, like, getting down because she's ready to have sex. And then he's like, um... Listen. I don't think... Yeah. I'm not so sure that he's gay because they do end up having a sexual relationship. I would definitely say he's bisexual. I I think in this movie he's bisexual. Yeah. Like, she asks him, well, you do sleep with girls, or don't you? And he's like, you're not supposed to ask that. She's like, well, I ask. And he goes that he has had sex with three different women. And it did not end well each time. Mm Mm-hmm. So they agree to just be friends. And then. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, sure. They agree to just be friends, but you can tell Sally's like, I'm going to corrupt him. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's you know she's fun yeah yeah she's she's out there like I said before so then we see him you know giving lessons to uh, Fritz and Natalia Landiar comes and Natalia is from a very rich very Jewish family Yes. And yes, she is. She is she has been asked to do English lessons with Brian. So she gets there and before well before she gets there Sally comes in and she's like super pissed and like I need a drink because apparently she slept with this guy that was going to get her a job and then he didn't so she's pissed. Well, cuz you know sometimes even though you're trying to sleep your way to the top, it doesn't work out. And, like, that's fine if you're sleeping your way to the top. There's nothing you know wrong Whatever with that. Whatever gets the job done. Exactly. But <laughs> sometimes it just... I'm not going to shame you. No, no. that's a, I'm not going to shame her either. But, like, you know, sometimes it don't work out because, like, men are trash. Yeah. Um, so... After she comes in, you know, Brian's like, please, you know, you promised me that I could use your room for lessons. You weren't supposed to be back. And she's like, well, fine. You know, this is my room anyway. Blah, blah. Like, she's in a bitchin' mood. We've all been there. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's going to leave. But then Natalia comes in. And then she's like, you know what? This is a very attractive woman. I'm going to (laughs) stay. Do you think that that, uh, Sally is also bi? No. Okay. I don't think so. I do think that she likes to be the center of attention. Mm. And when Natalia comes in and Fritz and Brian are giving Natalia attention and not her attention, she doesn't like it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, she is very self-absorbed. Like, as a character, so. (laughs) I can Um, see it. So Sally also tries to sabotage Fritz because Fritz is a fortune hunter. He wants a wife that has money. And, you know, so Fritz is, like, really trying to impress Natalia. And Sally is talking about, what, chlamydia? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) And and then she's like, you know, you you can get it from, you know, know, screwing. And uh, and Natalia's like... what does screwing mean? And she's like, oh, there's a German word for that. Bumsen. And <laughs> Brian's like, of course you would know how to say that word perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was being a little bit of a shit. Well, exactly. Because <laughs> the thing is, Natalia's like, she's a good girl. You know, she's very straight-laced and, you know. Very straight-laced, cultured, like, lived in a tight little box all of her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's like getting this shocking conversation. Well, and and like, but she enjoys it though. She's just like, oh, here's this eccentric woman who you know has seen the world more than I have. So like, she wants to become friends, of course. And whereas Sally kind of sees her like competition for attention. Yeah. Um. So. Then after that, um, Fritz eventually, Fritz and uh, Brian go later on to Natalia's home for dinner. And then Sally had said she was going to go visit her handsome, sexy father, but he didn't show up. My question is, 
Is it actually her father? Or, or is it her daddy? Sugar daddy. Yeah. yeah. I want to say it's her sugar daddy. Who calls their father sexy? Uh. I honestly think he's a sugar daddy. Yeah, I think so. Because, um, that's weird. Not the way a daughter talks about a father. Well, unless, what was that one cult where, uh, from like the 70s or something where he was like having sex with all his kids? Children of God? I think so. And, like, mm, one of his sons know. was like, yeah, dad was, like, really sexy. And, like, ew. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with my Please. theory that <laughs> yeah. it's just a sugar daddy and not her actual father. R- remember, children, don't have sex with your relatives. Incest is not the best. Don't fuck your cousins. Don't D- fuck your mom, your dad. Don't. Your sister, your yeah. brother. Just don't. Don't. Don't, don't fuck dip, your cousins. Don't dip in the family gene pool. No. Don't, don't take, don't even, not even a toe. Not even a toe or finger. Just don't freaking do it. Yeah. It's now. gross and <laughs> don't do it because it's bad for genetics. Hear that, Nazis? It's bad for genetics. Recessive so, genes. So, um, Sally comes home. Well, Brian comes home and Sally's just pouting downstairs in the dark as you do and yeah and then you know he takes her upstairs and they talk and she's like i'm just so worthless and nobody loves me like she's got daddy issues right and then don't we all we do and then (laughs) after that it's like a dream sequence except it's not it was weirdly edited Okay, to where I thought she had imagined they'd had sex together, I really did. Was this like because it was the 1970s and they like you know had to keep it, it tame? Trippy. It was trippy. Okay, I yeah. I was very confused. I was like, I didn't think they'd had sex. Like I thought, she, especially that part where he's like, "Look at how sexy my muscles are." I was like, she must be dreaming. This is just so weird. Um, so they actually do have sex, but yeah, so this is like where there's a song, right? Yeah, um, maybe this time I'll win, which I believe like her, which that's know. like, yeah, that is the third song, and like, I think we're about an hour into this movie, like almost yeah. an hour. And what you'll find is like the plot is very thin, it's more character focused, yeah. Which is, you know, like we've we've offshoot we've offshot a little bit, but like there really isn't that much to the movie as far as the plot. So So yeah, Natalia um so yeah, they end up having sex or whatever and the two of them are like, you know, lying in bed, but uh, then it kinda goes into like another scene where Natalia calls on Sally for help because she and Fritz had had sex and she yeah. enjoyed it. <gasps> So shocking. I skipped over the part where Fritz was like, I don't understand. You know, when I kiss her, she she doesn't oh, want to yeah. kiss me back. And Sally's like, oh, well, she's a virgin. And virgins you have to pounce on. Oh, girl, no. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, this <laughs> no. isn't. No. I'm sorry, but um, 
Yeah. Well, so su- part of suggest- seduction does not include pouncing on somebody uh, when they're not into it. Yeah, and so, like, Natalie, Natalia calls on Sally because she knows that Sally is a worldly woman, and she's like, you know, at first, she was screaming at Fritz to get off of her, but then it was, like, oh, so amazing, and then it was good, but she's Jewish, and Fritz is Christian, and Fritz is also a fortune hunter, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, it's like a bodice ripper, where it's, like, forceful, but then she's into it. Ugh. Yeah, the, see, I, I have. So mm, much. I, I hate so that trope, much. but there's like a little. P- okay, so that's how I grew up, and that's like how I first read things. Because um, uh, I used to read like the bodice rippers of my. that my mom had. And one of the first ones I ever read is basically that's what happened. She didn't she wasn't enjoying it. And then she started to enjoy it. And it's like, oh, sexual assault, sexy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. That's the thing. Sexual assault is not sexy. And that's why we need to teach our children consent uh, instead of people writing these shitty things where it's basically not consent, but, you know, if a girl says no, 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 she really means, I'm just shy, yes. Yeah. Fucking no. Yeah. Yeah. I've read a lot of those books, too, where, like, mm-hmm. the guy rapes her, and then it's like, oh, but I liked it after a while. I'm like, oh, God. Well, that's basically what happened in Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Exactly. So yeah. this is like a weird trope in many movies. And that's why women are all fucked up with what they want is because uh, and now we're that's like why. finally getting our power and being like, hey, you know, maybe when you do that, it's called sexual assault. And like, hey, maybe not do like, that. Yeah, but you really like it. Like, that's what I've been taught my entire life. Therefore, it must be true. It's like, oh, maybe everything in the movies is not actually fucking true. Yeah, you'll find that movies are way more toxic than real life in a lot of ways, especially the romantic comedies. And that's why that's we started good. this podcast. Ching! Yeah, I mean, our our uh, after our Christmas movies, our first month was romantic comedies, and we, we walked away after that first month going, there are no good romantic comedies. Well, maybe some of the new ones will be good. Maybe. Um, so after uh, after this... You know, Sally kind of, like, smooths it over with her, and she, but it doesn't really work, because in the end, it's still a situation that hasn't been resolved. And then Sally goes to get her laundry done, and this man helps her to get her laundry done, and he's very charming and suave and well-dressed, and she finds out that he's rich. Yeah, as you do. And then we get the... One of the most famous songs, Money Makes the World Go Round. Yeah. and uh, I knew this song. I was like, I knew this one. That was a fun <laughs> song. Yeah, it was a fun little ditty. I really liked the, uh, the stage production of it with the coins and stuff. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Um, so this is... Sally introduces Brian and the Baron... Uh, his name's Maximilian. Of, of course, his name's that. Maximilian, of course. That's a very sexy German. So. 
but it, but like he's a rich guy named Maximilian. Like, mm, of okay. Yeah, and they basically like it's not said, but after they have this meeting, you know, we know that Sally is into him because he's rich, and it seems like Sally and Brian have an open relationship. And he yeah. seems, Brian seems a little jealous, but he's he knows that Sally is going to have sex with Maximilian. Uh, yeah. Then Maximilian comes into their bedroom and I ask, did they have a threesome with him? Well, I mean, there there is that production, right, that comes up called Two Ladies. Yeah. About threesome. Like, yeah. And then I'm thinking, did, did, did they have a threesome? No, nah, man. They Make just sense. Eiffel Towered her. Like, come on. <laughs> um, so, this is. Then they decide to go on holiday together. And as they're driving out towards the country, you see this dead person in the street covered with a sheet. And Maximilian says, oh, these Nazis are just rabble-rousers who are getting rid of the communists, but the German people can control them. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, we already, we already harped on that, so I'm not going to yeah. harp on it again. Yeah, and then we get the song, Two Ladies, Only One Man. Yeah, which, that's a fun number. It was fun to watch. Yeah. He's like, I have two ladies, but I'm only one man. <laughs> okay, so that's the thing. So it's basically saying that, you know, hey, there's there's a, a poly... Yeah, there's like a... There's a poly, you know, amorous uh, relationship going on here, right? I, and I have mm-hmm. to say, like, Joel, Joel Grey in this movie is like... Phenomenal. Yeah, I know he's not like the actual star, but like he's the star of this movie. He he, he does leaves such an impression every time he's on screen. He mm-hmm. captures your attention exactly. And he's very enigmatic, and he's got that really exaggerated, like almost vaudeville stage makeup on. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I really liked the makeup in this movie. It was all exaggerated and overdone. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so Brian and Sally and the Baron go away on a holiday, and then while they're on holiday, Baron invites them to Africa with him. And then, like, there's this one scene where they're all getting drunk and stuff, and then Brian just has too much to drink, and, like, it almost looks like they're gonna have a big, huge fight. Yeah. But then they don't. I kept thinking Brian was gonna smash Maximilian in the head with his glass. Was this one... Was this like at the party or whatever? No, it was after the after the dinner party where they're all like oh finally and they're getting drunk. Oh no, I didn't think that was what's gonna. I, I thought that was like when they were actually gonna all have sex because like Buddy goes behind the like shrub right, uh-huh. and he's like, I thought he looked angry. No, I thought he was like. like I think was it was implying that like they were you know all fucking <laughs> each other. Theory? Yeah, that they were all like fucking each other. Because there's like that moment, right, where like everything stops, right? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, hey, one of them, uh, Brian is way too drunk, and so they lay him down on the couch, and then Sally and the Baron go upstairs. Yeah. And then. So. 
And then uh, the next day they go out for a ride and Sally is, of course, hungover and so she decides to take a nap in the car. And then uh, the Baron and Brian get out at this little outdoor place that looks like it's a festival, a spring festival or something. Yeah. And while they're there having a discussion, a Nazi youth gets up and just starts singing a song called Tomorrow Belongs to Me. And at the fr- at first you're, you don't know because it doesn't show that it's a Nazi youth, right? But then everybody else starts, you know, getting up to start singing uh, this song with it, right? And then it, it's, it's just... talking about the fatherland and, you know, keeping it pure and shit, like... And that's the thing. This this movie was filmed in, in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to think for a moment that these people who are playing these characters, because... This was only happening 30 years before, right? So some of the older people in this... I think that older gentleman might have been having flashbacks. Like, there's this one older man that's sitting there listening to these people singing around him, and he looks distressed. Yeah, because he probably fucking went through this shit once. Yeah. Like, the whole thing is very ominous. It is. It, like... As soon as, at first you're thinking, God, that's a weird nationalistic song to be singing. It sounds pretty bad. And then when it zoomed, the camera goes down to what the dude is wearing on his shirt as he's singing, you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. Wow, this is dark. Um, well, yeah, because, like, so, we we all know what's going to happen in a couple of years. And, like, yeah, we, you know, within we, 10 we years. Well, that's the thing. Within 10 years of this time period, um like they were killing the they were killing jewish people yeah like we the audience are blessed with knowledge of the future right they and so we we see these things and while the characters on screen don't think much of it for us the audience there's that sense of dramatic irony because we know what's going to happen mhm yeah so it was it was very not good um so then we cut to Fritz going to Natalia's, which I do want to bring up this one very traumatic scene that happens where Natalia's house yeah. gets attacked and they kill her dog. And yeah. then they write Juden on her front step, like right in front of the gate. Like, holy shit. That was, that was so funny. It's horrifying because she loved that dog. She did. That dog was in every scene with her up until that point. Yeah. And and then Fritz, you know, Fritz thinks that they can't be together because she's Jewish. And it's they have this little scene, you know, and he's like, you know, I, I love you. I don't, you know, and she's like, we just can't be together. And Natalia tells him we just can't be together. Um, and then we find out, uh, you know, it, it goes back and forth a lot. The edits are really weird, so it's hard to keep track. But uh, Brian and Max and uh, Sally come back from their vacation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sally's getting ready to go to Africa because Max says they're going to Africa. And Brian and Max go off together on their own. And then Brian comes back and Max is pissed about something. We never know what exactly. Yeah. Brian's pretty angry, too. And then he comes in, and then Brian and Sally have this huge fight. 
And Sally, you know, reveals, you know, that she had been fucking Max. Like, duh. Yeah, and like we knew. the shocker was, I've been fucking him too. And that's Brian. Like, he doesn't say fucking. He says screwing or something like that. Yeah. But we find out that Brian has had sex with a man. Yeah. <sighs> Holy shit. You know? And then she has the fucking nerve to get mad about it. <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, it's... She's very self-absorbed. We've, we've well, exactly. But, like, yeah, she has the fucking gall where she's like, how dare you? I can't believe you had sex with a, with a man. It's like, yeah, because he's bisexual. Like, okay. Like, you um, should be, a, you should be, a, you know, you should be a little bit more open, bohemian chicky boo. But see, it's okay for her to have sex with other people. But he can't have sex with other people. Yeah. Even if she's having sex with that same person. It's, no, 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 no. Well, I'm pretty sure... <laughs> there, there was like a sim... Not exactly a similar scene, but if you've ever watched the show Shit's Creek, um, basically the same thing happens. Where like oh, wow. the two two people who were friends who had, had sex together before... Um, start they both start dating this person but they don't realize they're dating the same person <laughs> well to be fair they didn't know like yeah brian and sally both knew about max because max was the the three in the thruple <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah exactly like it, it was saying that you know yeah yeah um so then I guess they get over it together. And then... As you do. Uh, <laughs> as you do. And then Sally ends up going to this library where Brian's at later on. And he goes, what? What's wrong? And she's like, God damn it, I'm gonna have a baby. And she screams. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, Sally, like, Jesus. But, you know, he offers, he's like, well, I'll marry you. You know, right? And she's like, no, you can't do that. Uh, and she's, like, starting to think, you know, the doctor will uh, give her an abortion, right? Yeah, and all he, she's got to do is sell her fur coat that Max had given her. Yeah. And and, and then we kind of leave it alone for a little bit and focus on Fritz and Natalia again. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Fritz is actually Jewish. Yeah. He only pretends to be Protestant because he knows that to be Jewish means he wouldn't be able to own anything because uh, some of the you missed uh, a few parts that went no, with I didn't. this yeah you did what did i miss um that after max and uh it, it's found out that max and brian are fucking um brian loses his shit uh like with a few oh, nazis i forgot the part where he got beat up yeah so he gets beat up by some nazis right and then Max leaves for Argentina and gives them 300 marks or like 300 bucks for their trouble. Yeah, you know, like they're high class hookers, right? Yeah. So. Okay, that's the part I missed. Okay. I didn't really consider it that huge to the plot in the end because we knew Max was gone. But uh, anyway, we do find out that Fritz is Jewish and, you know, he says, the worst thing Natalia did was make me an honest man. And I really love her. And he's scared because, you know, if he comes out and tells Natalia that he's Jewish and she rejects him and then people find out that he's Jewish, then he's going to lose everything. 
Mm-hmm. Everything. You know? And then we get a song. Yeah. This song involves a, you know, the master of ceremonies talking about how, you know, I love this woman, even though, you know, you might not agree with me, and it's a person in an ape costume. It's a sweet song. It's called If You Could See Her. And it's a sweet song until the very last line where he basically says, even though you don't think she's beautiful, I think she's beautiful, even if she is a Jew. You should have seen my face because I didn't expect that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. They really just compared an ape to a Jewish person. And that's oh, the and that's God. the thing. Back then, they would have fucking done that. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, because as during this time period, um, they were comparing Jewish people to animals. Yeah, and uh, you know. They were also talking about stuff in the parlor of that uh, apartment building Mm -hmm. where Sally and Brian live about how there's a global conspiracy of Jewish people and communists. Do you know that I still hear that theory now? Yeah. From modern day people? Well, yeah, exactly. That's an old ass theory. Well, that's the thing. You hear this all, like, you hear this. Um, that, you know, there's a conspiracy that, like, Jewish people are... Like George Soros. Yeah, Ooh. that they're they're paying money for, you know, all this thing, or they have, you know, the entertainment industry um, by the balls or whatever, like, the fuck they're saying. And the, the fact is that, nah, man, like... Not cool. Not... Mm-mm. No. But and, and you're seeing... That, that... That propaganda was used in the 1930s against Jewish people and is still being used against Jewish people. Well, it's not just that. I mean, just just in, like, the last few months, uh, a man went into a, a temple and killed, what was it, 13 people? Yeah. So... Yeah, killed it, 13 people because he thought the Jews were taking over. Yeah, so the thing is that anti-Semitism is alive and well. And it's just... Disgusting. You know, because you think of this time period and you're like, oh, that's never going to happen again. But it could fucking happen again. Almost two years ago, we had a, a rally in Charlottesville where they were shouting, Jews will not replace us. Out in the open with tiki torches made in China, but who cares? They were screaming, Jews will not replace us. Yeah. And the president was like, oh, they're fine people on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So this. And, and, it, and it's somehow all okay because Donald Trump has a son in law that's Jewish. Isn't has a what? Huh? Has a what? Oh, he has uh his son-in-law's Jewish. 
Yeah, that's the craziest fucking thing. But, like, the thing is that... Like... <sighs> yeah. I'm sorry, it's just... It, it boggles my mind, but then yet I'm not surprised that it's all happening. It's... And I also think that there is... What people try to do is link anti-Semitism to uh, protest against Israel. And I don't think that's a fair thing to do. No. Because there's a huge difference between being anti-Semitic and being against the Israeli government's role in apartheid. Yeah. You know? I think it... And I find it fascinating that the same people that support the Proud Boys and white supremacists who scream Jews will not replace us are trying to pass laws where it's illegal to boycott products from Israel. There was a teacher or a psychologist, a children's psychologist in Texas, who was fired from her job at a school district because she refused to sign a pact saying that she would not boycott Israel. Really? 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 So, I mean, it's just the world's a mess. It always has been. It's it's a dark, dark place. Um so after this song that really fucked me up to be honest. I had to pause the TV cuz my mouth had like just dropped. Um we see that Fritz has confessed to Natalia, and now Fritz and Natalia are getting married. Yeah. And they get married in Temple. Mm-hmm. And then we see Sally stumble in to the apartment a little while later. Like, she had gone to work at the club. And then she'd stumbled home in the early morning hours. And Brian wakes up, and he notices that, you know, she seems really sick or hungover. And he's like, well, where's your fur coat? And then she admits that she's had an abortion. And at first, he's devastated. And he's like, why Why would you do this? And for the first time in the entire movie, we see that Sally has some version of self-reflection. Yeah, and, uh, you know, she explains that she knows her flaws and that a baby wouldn't have solved their problems. And it's better that they didn't have it. And... I think that's yeah, she's a... like she's like, I know I'm selfish. I know I'm self absorbed, you know, and she's like, You you want me to go with you to live in this little tiny cottage in England with diapers hanging on the towel rack and you know, like how long would it be before we absolutely hated each other? And it's honestly probably the best decision she could have made because it's true. They would have been miserable together. Well, that's a, there. A there are a lot of because you think of like this time period and then afterwards. So there was like a lot of you know women who you know they got pregnant during the war because or like before the war or whatever, and they married you know them. They married the guy because you know like that's just what you fucking did, and you know now you have like all these the bitter old couple that, you know, squabbles all the time, right? That fucking hates each other. Like, it's a trope. But that that's the thing. Like, in the 50s and 60s, there were all of these couples that, like, they stayed together for the kids. You couldn't get a divorce. You know, that's very shameful. Divorce was social suicide. Exactly. But, like, 
They weren't fucking happy. They were fucking miserable with each other. And and the thing is, she she made the right decision. She honestly did. Yeah. And then they end up parting ways and he goes back to to England and they part as friends. Yeah. You know. I, think, I don't think it was ever a deep romantic relationship. No, I think it was just, you know, like for him, he's he's going to go off back to England and find, you know, a, a nice girl and, you know, have a few kids with like and live in the country Before or whatever. He joins the service. Well, yeah. Before he joins the service. But like, you know, that's that's what's probably going to happen to him. And, you know, when he joins the service, he might, you know, have some fun with some of the boys. Right. And then she's, you know, going to be an actress or something. I don't know. But then she sings Life's a Cabaret. And that's another one of the famous songs from this movie. I actually thought that was the opener. Oh, really? I watched it. I did. And uh, after she sings that, they do a uh, reprise of the first song in the movie. And there's an end shot that pans with a drum roll. And in the reflection of glass, you see that the audience is now full of Nazis. And that's how the movie ends. And I think it's the... It's a signal. Well, because you know, at kind the... Kind of an understatement. Well, yeah, because at the beginning, like, they were making fun of Nazis and some of the acts and stuff, right? And yet, mm-hmm. you know, now... Um, I think this is a very dark moment that says that, you know, like, this cabaret is now complicit to, you know, what's happening because of the way the political tide. Yeah. Also, this cabaret with what it has as entertainment is probably going to end up with a lot of them being put into concentration camps. Concentration camps or uh, being forcibly sterilized. I mean, like, it, you know what's going to happen. And it's just, you don't know what happens to these people. But you assume that it doesn't end well. Uh, and that's that's the end of the movie. Now, Ashlyn, what was your impression of this movie? Um, it was definitely a lot darker than I expected. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that this is a movie I would watch again. Mm-hmm. I think... The way it was edited, it's just not a movie that I would enjoy watching a second time. Yeah. Um, but it is one you should probably watch at least once. Yeah, I agree. I would say that. Like, I don't particularly care for it as a movie that I would watch again, but I can understand the significance of it and why it is such a, like... I mean, this is a movie that talks about homosexuality, that talks about abortion very openly... And this movie came out in 1972, so, like, wow, that's amazing for the time period to be covering such taboo subjects, you know? Yeah. So, I I would say that only for the significance of what it's about. So, now, let's get trivia? Yeah, let's hear some trivia. All right. The character of Sally Bowles was based on Jean Ross... She was an aspiring actress, singer, and writer who lived a very colorful life. 
She was reportedly unhappy with Isherwood's portrayal of her as an apolitical, even slightly anti-Semitic person, because uh, Jean Ross was a member of the Communist Party, and she may have been in Germany as an agent of the Comintern. She was also married for a time to Claude Cockburn, who was the father of journalist Alexander Cockburn, and he described her as very gentle, cultivated, and a very beautiful woman, not a bit like the vulgar vamp displayed by Liza Minnelli. Interesting. <laughs> they didn't like that. No. Um, the song Tomorrow Belongs to Me was not originally a German song. Mm-hmm. It was written by John Kander and Fred Ebb in the style of a traditional German song sung by Nazi youth in the movie to stir up patri- patriotism for the fatherland. It has often been mistaken for genuine Nazi anthem and has led to songwriters being accused of anti-Semitism. This would not this would be most surprising <coughs> as they are in fact Jewish. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. This, this fact has not stopped openly racist and anti-Semitic rock groups like Screwdriver from recording the song and performing it at white power rallies. <coughs> huh. Forgive me, I am suffering a sinus infection and all of a sudden my throat has gone dry. Um, it is also the only song that's sung outside of the cabaret uh, setting to survive uh, the transition from... Uh, stage to film. Yep. Uh, in preparation for his revival of the role, Master of Ceremonies, in the film, Joel Gray did extensive research <clears throat> in order to achieve a completely authentic German accent. Hmm. Good for him. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, there were several British actors who tested for the role of Brian, including Malcolm McDowell, David Hemmings. Timothy Dalton, Leonard Whiting, Jeremy Irons, really, John, yeah, John McEnry, Bruce Robinson, Paul Nicholas, and Tim Curry. Really? Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh my God, Tim Curry would have made a great MC. Like Joel Gray did awesome, but Tim Curry would have been an awesome master of ceremony. Oh as yeah, well. he would have done quite well. Um, In 2007, the American Film Institute ranked this as the 63rd greatest movie of all time, uh, and it was the first inclusion of the film on the list. Yeah. Liza Minnelli and Joel Grey would have major roles in adaptions of Wizard of Oz. Liza Minnelli, whose mother played Dorothy in 1939's Wizard of Oz, would play Dorothy in the 1972 animated film Journey Back to Oz. Joel Grey played the wizard in the 95 adaption of Wizard of Oz in concert, Dreams Come True, as well as the Broadway musical adaption of Wicked. Huh. <coughs> Please <Jeez>. don't die. <coughs> and, uh... <coughs> got one more fact on the bottom. Yep. And it is the only best picture, uh... Oscar nominee that year uh, that was also nominated for Best Score, uh, Adaption, and Original Song, uh, Best Art Direction, and Best Cinematography. And Gracie's gonna die on us. I am. I am. Okay. Deep breaths. 
Now, let's do our tests. <clears throat> yeah. Bechdel test. The Bechdel test is two named female characters on screen alone together talking about something other than a man. This never happens. Oh, yeah. I guess they're always never talking happens. about... Like... The only time there's two named females alone on screen together is Sally and Natalia. And they're talking about Fritz. Yeah. So, <clears throat> does not happen. Racial Bechdel test. Two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. I only there saw, like, people... I only saw one black guy in this entire movie, and he did not say a word. And he had no name. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's a fail. Uh, Macomori test. A female character who has a story arc not based on pushing a male character's narrative forward. I would say that this is a pass because <clears throat> Sally's character is all about her. Yeah. She's not there to push Brian's story. She's there to push her own. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and then we have the Duvernay test, which is a person of color who has a character arc not based on pushing a white character narrative forward. No named people of color. So it's a fail. Then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character <coughs> Excuse me? Please don't die on us, Gracie. I've talked too much. Do you want me to um, pause so you can get some water? No, I have water. I've already taken a couple of sips. Okay. <coughs> anyway, sexy lamp. Named female character can be replaced with the sexy lamp from a Christmas story. Um. You could replace Natalia. Like, you could get rid of Natalia and Fritz's whole storyline and it wouldn't affect the plot. It's true. <laughs> what little plot there is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's more of a character study than it is a plot-based film. I agree. Uh, and then the last test, Vito Russo. Someone who identifies as LGBTQA+, who matters to the plot, and whose sexuality is not the only driving force of their character. And it's a pass. Because yeah. Brian is definitely bisexual. Yeah. At the very least. At the very least. That's the thing. They never specifically say that he is, but he is. Exactly. And I guess, like, too, Maximilian. Maximilian. And Maximilian is also bisexual. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say, well, yeah, I guess he would be vital to the plot for the fact that it gives Brian a chance to explore his sexuality. Yeah. I kind of wish if they ever redid this movie, like, I mean, they probably won't, but if they ever did redo this movie, I hope that they would put at least more of those scenes in. Like, I'm not talking hardcore, like, porn or anything, but, like, you could put in a few of those scenes where it's, like, you know, exploring that. Yeah, you could definitely read between the lines even before he admitted it. Mm-hmm. So, links, right? We're done? Yeah, oh, we're we done. Gotta, we gotta add, uh, is this movie feminist? Nah. Not really. Um, is the movie good? Yes. Yeah. 
I have to agree. I think I think this movie is uh, particularly good. It's definitely a one a one watch only sort of movie, but uh, I liked like I it. I would call it a masterpiece, but I would say that it's good in the sense that it's worth a watch. I would listen to those songs again. Yeah. So. Listen to the Broadway soundtrack since they cut like five or six songs out of the movie. Oh yeah, that's a thing. The Broadway soundtrack is so much better. <laughs> I know. I was kind of disappointed. I was like, for a musical, there's not a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Well, it's already uh, a two-hour movie. That's true. So. Um. All right. So, links. Uh, Facebook, Facebook.com/slash The Feminist Critique Podcast. We're on YouTube, The Feminist Critique Podcast. I'm on Twitter at South of Grace, and I hopefully won't be dying next week when we choose Chicago. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Yep, I'm also, we are also on Twitter as Feminist Critique without the E. We're on Tumblr as the Feminist Critique Podcast, and uh, we are, oh, I am also on Twitter and Instagram as Ajleans. A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S and I'm also on Twitter as Aurora Borealis because I do drag on the side. Yeah, she's a bio queen. Well, we just prefer drag queens. It's more inclusive. I like it. Yeah. Alright, so next week we are going to be doing Chicago. Richard Gere, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger. I'm excited. I haven't... uh, I don't think I've watched the whole movie. I don't think I've watched the whole movie either, but I know Queen Latifah's in it too. So Queen Latifah's been in two movies this month. Look at her. Ooh. Yep, I'm excited. And then after we finish Chicago, our next one is going to be kind of a mix of Black History Month and musicals because we'll be doing Carmen Jones, which is a Rodgers and Hammerstein movie. So Awesome. Well, we will <laughs> see you guys next week. Oh, Gracie, please stop dying. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.